Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond Styles, and I am the master chef, cooking you up something succulent and divine. It's your boys out here, and we are serving hot talk and cool iced tea. And I'm Mia Mix, here to set the tone and make sure the mood is right. So come on in and get comfortable. Pull up a chair, have a seat. You can even take your shoes off. Wait, not if your feet is down. <laughs> oh, hell no. Welcome, Welcome to Marsha's Plate. The time has come for you to be the change you want them to be, yeah. No more running around filled with all hypocrisy, yeah. It starts from the inside, it spreads wide, and everything will be alright. Join the conversation. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We want to hear what you guys have to say. You can also help us build community by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Marsha's Plate. By contributing to this podcast, you help us continue our powerful work to change culture one episode at a time. So let's get started. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond, and I have a special treat for y'all. I have George Lee. He is one of the hosts of the Chop Up podcast. He has a master's degree. Now, y'all know here at Marshall's Play, we don't give a fuck about the white man's degrees and shit, but when black folks got that shit, I want to name it because, you know, we know how hard and the obstacles the shit we have yeah. to get that shit, so I want to name it. He has a master's degree in human relation and adult higher education with a graduate certificate in women and gender studies. He currently is assistant director of debate at University of Oklahoma, is that right? Because of his dope ass <laughs> debate skills, which we can tell. How I came to know him is he's a social media personality um, on TikTok, Instagram, and all the other rest of the show, social needs that um, I love it because he his humor, and the, the, his angle that he goes in dismantling all the shit that I love to dismantle and examine. I think he is funny. Um, and I think he's doing the work in a way that is rarely, for me, rarely seen in Sister and a Man. So I wanted to bring him on the show. And yeah, so welcome. <laughs> hey, I, feel, I feel honored. I feel honored to got the invitation. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So... As a like a social conscious black woman, when I'm navigating spaces with men, it's almost like it always seems like I'm like walking through a minefield. <laughs> it feels like you feel safe at first because they're they they're calling out this racial shit that I'm resonating with because I'm like, oh, you know, quote unquote, he woke and. When he comes, he, he has this racial analysis that's really, really powerful that I'm resonating with. But then you hear him talk about something that's like with gender and homophobia <laughs> and, you know, anything outside of race. You're like, whoa, especially when we talk about like marriage. <laughs> and um, real quick, man. Yeah, it, it just 
the, the, the lights flip on. Especially when we talk about marriage, especially shit like, is your wife or your mama <laughs> get in the car? <laughs> they get in the car. <laughs> is who's going to be in the front seat? All that bullshit like that. When you get who, who get the plates first, <laughs> all that kind of shit. It gets real weird. And I'll be like, whoa, this might not be who I'm following, you know. And so I remember I had bought um, <laughs> Hidden Colors on accident <laughs> from Tariq Nasheed. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fire. Because I didn't really follow him, but I like documentaries and shit. And I was like, damn, I hate this motherfucker got my money. Because I don't like him. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to bring you on the show because you just have a different, fresh, you just have a fresher take. And I want to know how. Um, did you get to your line of thinking about like gender and queer folks and stuff like that, being a cisgender heterosexual man? Uh, man, to be real, I think, I think that I always kind of had a different, uh, I, I hate to use this word, but if we being real, it's about like, like talking about a younger George, I think that I've always had like a, a different tolerance for different gender identities and different, I feel like, uh, sexual identities in terms of, I feel like people that's not straight, people that's not, you know what I'm saying, liking what I like, um, from the small little town I grew up in. But to be honest with you, I feel like took it to a different level, to the next level, is uh, when I, um, I joined the debate team. I joined the debate team in college. And when I joined the debate team in college, of course, you, you know what I'm saying, like you talked about when you go to different, you know, rallies and different intimate spaces for black folks, you run into some pro-black brothers that be like, shit, what the shit's. So I was, I was uh, when I got onto a public uh, yeah, to policy debate as a college debater, that's what I did in terms of debating who I was, if I was debating Harvard or some random junior college, they was going to get this black power, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And, 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 and through kind of, I feel like being in like the intellectual trenches of just really going back and forth with a lot of different people. And, and, and in my opinion, a lot of the smartest people that my country ha has to offer in my generation you feel me? I got the debate against them for four years. You know what I'm saying? So me debating like this, I came across people that was talking about trans rage or I debated, you know, what I'm saying? Uh, 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 black women that talked about uh, black feminism or black womanism. You know what I'm saying? I debated people that talked about like the death of Matthew Shepard. And I learned about futurity and learned about how, you know what I'm saying? reproductive. I, I learned a lot of deep shit from doing debate. Because I had to take, you know what I'm saying? I had I had to defend my black political, social, economic implications of the hood. And I had to maybe debate against somebody that was maybe a, a diehard feminist. And I had to learn about their stuff, you know what I'm saying, and their impacts. And, and through me being this activity for four years, you feel me? I think that it's made it where I developed a, a real deep intellectual, academic understanding of race, class, gender, sexuality, and ability. And I think that me being from the hood. You know what I'm saying? Both of my parents experiencing, you know what I mean, of being convicted felons. And you know what I'm saying? I feel like the the, the experiences I have being in the hood, being from the hood, being still having ties to the hood. I'm from Bryan College Station, Texas. Shout out to everybody in Westside. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Texas. You know, that's, that's, that, 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 I think that it made it different for how, how, how it come out of my mind, how I think about it, how I build my analysis different from other folks because I'm going to filter it through the black hood experience first. It don't matter what the white folks told me to think about in terms of respectability or whatever, whatever. I'm gonna feel through through my experiences, and that's usually how I how how I break it down. Mm. So, and 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 that's amazing. That's why I like people to read. You don't necessarily have to go to college, but you got to get into some books and read and really just do the work, and don't just go about what people 
Because there's a lot of people who think they know shit, and especially when it, when it comes to gender and biology, because they always try to bring up biology shit with trans folks. And I'm like, you are trying to debate me with a fucking eighth grade education on biology. Hey, <laughs> hey don't you just, do not disrespect the eighth graders like that. They should be like sixth, <laughs> fifth grade. I'm talking about like, even to me, I think that like, usually it'd be like, hey man, you just take some generic ass understandings of biology. Boys that ain't never gave a damn about science today in their life all of a sudden become Bill now the science guy, Mr. Biologist. We start talking about trans identity. And, 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 and for me, it's usually something I ain't for. You know what I'm saying? I, I value facts over feelings. You know what I'm saying? I don't give a damn what we're talking about. And I don't care who feelings get hurt. I value facts over feelings. So when we start talking about trans identities and niggas start getting into being some, some biologists, I just be like, I just, you know, let's, let's debate then. Let's, let's go there. Yeah, let's bring up some real shit. So in what I find hard to um, kind of navigate with what I said earlier is how, do, how, how can I be in solidarity when I don't with, with men, when I don't always feel safe? That's number one. And I'm not, that's kind of rhetorical a little bit. Um, but uh, especially within, with, within the backdrop of, you know, we out here trying to fight for y'all to get out of prisons. Um, stop mass incarcerations, stop, not, not that we don't know that, you know, non-black cishet men are getting murdered by police, but we know, you know, y'all are disproportionately getting the brunt of the brunt of it, but, you know, we want to be out here fighting for y'all because we, we pro-black and we, we see the system from directly, but it's hard to be in solidarity with um, cishet men who actually don't value us, and so how are you navigating the spaces with them because well at least you can be you one of them so at least you can be you can you know you have you got some skin in the game in that way but it's it's hard from a, from a, from my vantage point how what what do you recommend how do you how do i get um you know feel safer in, in those spaces to, to to be honest with you i think that it has to be a buy-in from the people that makes you feel unsafe you know what i'm saying and I think that being a counterpart of the people that make you feel unsafe, uh, you know, since this had black man, I think that uh, um, there, there, there's moments that even I, you feel me, as as me, you know what I'm saying, also, you know what I'm saying, feel that, that, that same unsafeness from the same people you talking about because of what my message is and because of the things that I stand on. You know what I mean? Um, to me, I feel like you know what I mean. I'm just gonna spit a little academic shit. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a book by uh, Horton Spillers. You know what I'm saying? The book is called uh, I think it's uh, Mama's Baby's Papa's Baby. You know what I'm saying? And the book is about a his like the book is doing like a historical analysis of the Morningham Report. You feel me? The Morningham Report from like the 1970s, I think, uh, when this white dude that was in the federal government went to like New York or something like that, and he was trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with black people. And his and pretty much his analysis and conclusion was that the reason why the black community is messed up and fucked up essentially is because black women head the community and black men are not the head of the community, right? What so 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 what Horton Spillers does is does a little work in talking about how uh, the black community's dysfunctional nature is usually always inscribed onto black women and <clears throat> how. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, people within the black community kind of are conditioned within that misogynoir type, I hate black women type type understanding, right? So for me, well, the reason why I'm bringing up Horton Spillers is because she has a little line in there where she says that even black men have to affirm the black woman within 
And I think that because our community is kind of so misogynistic, it'd be hard for us to kind of locate. Because to me, I, I see myself as a full being. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got feminine energy. I got masculine energy. It is what it is. I'm that nigga. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how, that's how I present myself. You know what I mean? But I recognize that from a hood standpoint, it's hard for a lot of other fellow cis heterosexual men to really understand how, you know what I'm saying, femininity all runs through the, you know what I'm saying, energy runs through the community. You feel me? So I find it, so, so, so what I see is that people be insecure. You know what I'm saying? So shit, a nigga might be mad that I'm, you know what I'm saying, living my life unapologetic the way I am, and it makes him insecure because, you know what I'm saying, he might, he might, he, he might be down low. You feel me? Or, you know what I'm saying, he might have a very self-righteous understanding through the Bible and religion, you know what I'm saying, about why we should be able to be the head and why it's Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And the way that I'm presenting it from an intellectual standpoint might piss him off. You know what I'm saying? So I just see it be different ways that people be invested in, black men particularly, be invested in anti-shit, like shit that's anti-black women, anti uh, trans women, anti, you know what I'm saying, queer, I feel like anti, all that because I feel like it'd be a lot of, like, th there's no buy-in, you know what I'm saying? And to me, I see, like, macho masculinity about, like, domination, you feel me? So the same domination theory that niggas use to justify dominating black, black women, and the same domination theory that black men use to justify dominating queer people, and the same theory they'll justify dominating another nigga because they ain't big enough, because they pockets ain't big enough, because they arms ain't big enough, because they looked at them the wrong way, because they, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, to me, I think all those things, they kind of add on to it, you feel me? Mm -hmm. and, I just, and, and, and to answer your question, it's more more upfront than I stop ranting, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, don't, I don't, as a black man, I just try to set a, a model, you know what I'm saying? Or be a leader. I know that it's, it's younger black people that look up to me. So I just try to be a leader and try to stand for shit that I know that we talk not to stand for and, and try mm -hmm. to make it I can. In this, in this kind of uptick in the movement, you know, we know that there, there have been work going on for, for since this country's inception in trying to dismantle white supremacy and anti-blackness, da, 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 da. But there's a particular uptick that is happening with Black Lives Matter and the current movement in, in regards to where we are in social justice. And there, if you pay attention, what is different to me is that men are not the center of the leadership. You know, in the civil rights movement, you know, you had those like pillar men, people even, Bayard Rustin, even though, even though he was kind of silenced, <laughs> But, you know, you had the um, Malcolm X's, you had the Stokely Carmichael's, you had the um, Huey P. Newton's, you had the, you know, Martin Luther King's. And they were, you know, women kind of, even though you had the Ella Bakers, they were kind of pushed down so that the men can leave because that was kind of respectable. Um, but, you know, it's a different day now. And so we see a lot of, you know, Tamika Mallory's and, you know, a lot of, you know, just powerful movement people who are fems and so how do you feel about that how do you feel about that shift uh i think it's amazing um as a as somebody that come from a debate background i think uniqueness is key in terms of like liberation and kind of move forward in terms of progression when i say uniqueness it's like a split or a departure from tradition departure from history and i think that you know um, I, I hate to be cliche about it, but they say insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And in my opinion, 
think that a lot of the liberation movements in this country has usually been headed by uh, uh, men. But I also think that if you come, uh, I feel like uh, uh, one of my best friends, he was his, his grandmother, a Black Panther. You feel me? Shout out to Rasheed Campbell, everybody in East Oakland. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> when I got to, uh, like when I got to, when I get to go spend time in East Oakland, I always find it like 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 kind of puzzling how a lot of the people on the ground in East Oakland talk about how black women were doing a lot of the labor in terms of the rallying and yeah. organizing. It's just that it was when the media showed up, they loved them black men and them leathers and them braids. And it was just something about their sexiness that made the camera kind of go into them. But, you know what I'm saying, a lot of the pre-breakfast programs and a lot of people that was doing the pamphlets and a lot of people that was setting up the meet meetings and the, you know what I'm saying, it was like, it was like black women. So in my mind, I, and so I think of that morning hand report. That's the reason I brought the morning hand report. I think that it's something kind of different from a civilization standpoint. I feel like the Western world is like real patriarchal. And I think that black people, though we, you know what I'm saying, you know, some of us kind of buy into the plantation patriarchy, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like some of us recognize that Big Mama got more seniority than anybody in the family. I don't give a damn who we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? I think kind of something that's consistent, you feel me, really throughout the country, especially in our communities, you feel me, Big Mama or whatever you want to call her, you know what I'm saying, she gonna have it, you know what I'm saying, regardless if your daddy around, regardless if she married, regardless right. if Mama was, you know what I'm saying, was there for you or not there for you, Big Mama say some shit, it was time to move, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and I just think about, you know, uh, it could be like black mothering in that instance, but I think it's perfect, I think it's beautiful, I think it's mm-hmm. amazing. What I I was watching a video and and it was these and it was these straight guys talking about um, you know just transness and and in the comments I, a lot of I, there was a lot of comments about how the Democrats any kind of and, and I've seen this in other videos and other <laughs> in other topics um, I hear them talk about any type of like more radical leftist ideology you know when it comes to Transness when we come to queerness, da, da, da. they always say the Democrats are pushing this on us, and they're these are black people. The Democrats is pushing pushing this on us, and um, they're helping this along. And this is crazy. And in people on this side, we know that outside of race, you know, you know, yeah. black men are usually conservative, <laughs> and so and align and align more with you know the conservative right than they care to admit it. <laughs> and so what do you but, say to people like that who who act like the Democrats are, you know, bringing the coming of, you know, hell? Uh, man, to me, I think that when people talk about, to me, I call it like bipartisan bullshit mm-hmm. is what I call it. And I think that you lost in the sauce of bipartisanship. To me, I think that when we start talking about structural issues, whether we're talking about heteronormativity or we're talking about white supremacy and you start lumping it into this two-party shit, I start automatically questioning like your literacy and like the, your, your ability to critically think. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like if we're talking about, to me, like transphobia, we're talking about capital T trans violence, it's like, hey, liberals and conservatives implicated in that shit, man. The reason why now it's become a pinnacle time in history is because for so long in history, literally there's been a implication of two parties on the left and the right literally being able to politically, socially, economically exclude LGBTQ issues, LGBTQ representation out of everything. So in my mind, it's like when people say that, it's like, hey, missing with that bullshit, man. 
Like to me, it's just like, and I usually just think about it that you can't think for yourself. You you only can think about things through a political paradigm of left and right, and you don't recognize that these are both two different wings of the same bird. And I'm a I'm, I'm a couch it in terms of white supremacy. That's how I was, you know what I'm saying, in terms of intersectionality. I understand how white supremacy create these essential norms, and these norms get inscribed in uh, in in gender, class, race, ethnicity, religion, and we can literally trace a normativity through the lens of white supremacy of what is deemed as normal. And I think that when people start talking about, man, the, they trying to push it on the kids. And what about the kids? And, and listen, I ain't got nothing against that, that, that gay shit. That's, what, that's how they say it. I ain't got nothing against that gay shit. But man, the kids, man, the, the kids too young to be, to be doing this shit. See, I got two kids now too, right? And I, I'm a thinker. You know what I'm saying? I didn't watch all these damn Disney. I didn't watch no cap. I didn't seen half of Disney's goddamn, you know what I'm saying? Man, in the past three years, right? And what I recognize is that from a heteronormative standpoint, my fellow cis-heteronormative people will literally suspend they thinking about gender and sexuality when it's some heterosexual shit, right? I'm tired of watching Frozen. I'm tired of watching Frozen. I'm tired of watching Frozen. But shit, Elsa be, you know what I'm saying, they they, they, they kissing. Anna, Anna and the uh, old boy got a kiss in there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking of all right, so when y'all getting mad about trans representation in these Disney movies and you say that sexuality is too young, you pushing on these kids, like, can you just keep it real and say, like, non-normative? And when I say normative, I ain't saying, like, like it's normal, normal is good. I'm saying, like, normal in terms of societal perspective. It's like, right. just say, don't lie and say, kids shouldn't be. Listen, man, what? Man, Jasmine Aladdin had a romance. You feel me? Uh, Simba and Nala, romance. Uh, we can keep on going. It's just like, I don't, I just, I just, you feel me? And, 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 and I, I, in my rant with this, to my fellow straight people, man, it, it, I don't know if people, I don't know if you got, I don't know how many of y'all watch, you feel me? But listen, people in the LGBT community, they don't just wake up one morning when they grown and be like, you know what? I'm going to try this LGBTQ shit out. Like, I don't think it'd be like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna try this trend shit out this, this morning. You know what I'm saying? Ah, stop it! Don't go like that. <laughs> You're listening to Houston's own MP Trans 101. Now listen, I know that what is basic Trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you. So this is for your basic ass. basic <laughs> for me in this life? Just the beginning for you Trans 101 we're gonna talk to the men because you know the nature of this episode and because whoa y'all y'all got work to do y'all got a job baby and that is to dismantle patriarchy because you niggas are getting harmed by it too <laughs> what what are you talking about diamond the feminist said that we are benefiting from patriarchy well, motherfucker, you is benefiting from patriarchy, but we talking about the uh, the other side, the negative side that you ignore. 
Let's talk about that. So men and boys can be affected by patriarchy in ways that are not so obvious and ways that are more overt. They're, especially if they do not fit in those rigid gender norms that we set up for men and boys. So for example, say that you are at a grocery store and your three-year-old son is looking at stickers for flowers and somebody says, oh no, you can't have those stickers. Those stickers are for girls. That's not for boys. In a tone that says that boys can't play with flowers or there's something negative about boys having flower stickers. These kind of common interaction can reinforce rigid gender norms that harm people of all genders. These everyday interactions have like lasting effects on boys. They may grow up believing that they can't express themselves and how they feel. They can't pursue certain hobbies because it's too girly and makes them look like a fag. They can't have certain jobs that are not typically masculine. It will also influence their future relationships, how they engage with women, how they engage with people who they deem weaker, how they determine their, their self-worth, even their mental health. These small things set a standard of how boys should respond and how boys should look at certain things in the world, either as weak or as strong, as masculine, as feminine, as something they should detest and has disdain for to something that they should gravitate towards. And so this leads to the encouragement of toxic masculinity. I know we hear about toxic masculinity and, you know, when men hear about it, it's like, oh shit, here they come with this toxic masculinity shit. But this explains some of the negative norms and expectations that are placed on men and boys in our society. Toxic masculinity is the way that boys and men are socialized to perform masculinity through suppressing emotions, dominance, and aggression. And sometimes that comes out in how they treat women, how they treat trans people, how they treat queer people, how they treat other men in a negative way. And it causes a shit ton of trauma in those social interactions when you are navigating spaces with toxic masculinity as the core value or core tenet of how you are treating people. And I know some of you are thinking that women do this stuff too. They like us to be masculine and they like us to do some of this toxic shit because it's, they think it's sexy and they, want, they don't want us to be weak. And sometimes women teach their little boys to be toxic masculine. Absolutely. You're totally right because toxic masculinity does not have a gender, but we're not talking about them right now. We're talking about you. Why every time we try to hold you accountable, you got to bring us into the fold. Let us handle our business over here. But right now we are talking about you. Black women are not out here murdering other black women at the rate that black men are murdering black women. So now back to the focus of you and toxic masculinity. Now, let's be clear. Toxic masculinity is a specific model of manhood geared towards dominant and control. It's a manhood that views women and LGBT people as inferior. It sees sex as an act, not of affection, but of dominance. And this could lead men to thinking that this type of dominance and violence, sexual, physical violence is a way to prove themselves as a man in the world. 
This type of violence can be just another avenue that leads to the prison industrial complex. And it also can be another avenue of community destruction through trauma, fear, and coercive manipulation. When you are engaging with the world through toxic masculinity, you are rationalizing and justifying the use of control, violence, force to get your needs met. And then we defend the, that rationality on a social level. And you can see it. We can see it in our narratives about protection, about heroism, about nationality, about family values. We have entangled violence in all of these value systems. And then we identify those value systems as inherently masculine. This type of behavior is not ingrained in you. It is not innate to having a penis or testosterone going through your body. Those two things don't make you a barbaric animal who can't feel emotions and control his behavior at the same time. And you know, there's some levels to this shit. I know some of you niggas is thinking, you know, you're listening and saying, oh, well, I'm not out here beating women. Oh, I'm not out here doing hate crimes and killing trans women and beating gay niggas up. I'm not out here raping. You know, I don't do all of that stuff. So she's not talking about me. But as I said, there's levels to this shit. How are you being complacent? How are you reinforcing some of these um, gender norms? How are you responding to sexual assault? How are you responding to rape? How are you responding to the asshole at the club who's grabbing asses and, and doing rude shit? How are you responding when you guys are having that disgusting pussy grabbing um, locker room talk? How are you responding to that behavior that people say, oh, boys will be boys? How are you responding to those type of situations? Are you complacent? Are you reinforcing it? Like, what are you doing that is stopping it? If your homeboy is being a creep, what are you doing to deter that behavior? Because if you're not doing anything and you're saying that's not your business, you're a part of the problem. Other men should not be sitting around you glorifying violence and rapey behavior. And you think that's cute. It shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be okay. Black women being shot or killed or harmed shouldn't be the butt of the joke at all. The current rules of patriarchy do not give you the freedom to have emotional intelligence that creates a healthy relationship with the other men in your life, with the women in your life, and the rest of the community. How can we be your comrades in this fight against racial oppression if you can't even get your shit together in this gendered oppression? Because for us at any moment, if you don't get your shit together, you become the enemy. And how can we fight a fight with you if we're in a war how can we be in the trenches with you if we can't trust you as a comrade? And at any moment, you're going to blow us up with explosive violence and rape.
We just can't be side by side like that. This shit harms us and it harms you too. There are tons of studies out here that you can look up that dudes who live by these toxic masculine standards live less. Their lives are cut short. So yes, patriarchy harms women, cis and trans, queer folks, little boys, little girls, all the community and everything in between. But it harms grown men, too. So what can you do? First of all, you need to listen. That needs to be your first. If you're trying to dismantle patriarchy and really be allies to women, queer folks, trans folks, you need to listen. You need to focus on what they're saying, have some sincerity about listening, some empathy Refuse to interrupt. Genuinely value what we have to say. Value our experience and respect that we are sitting fucking willing to talk to you about it. Respect space. Sometimes in spaces, y'all take up too fucking much space. Y'all put your hands on people, put your legs up, just your body is just taking up too much space and you are not respecting personal boundaries. You're too loud. You are just doing too much. Respect the space and be conscious of the space that you're in. Be conscious of what you are doing in the space. What are you doing with your size? What are you doing? No, this does not mean to shrink yourself. This means to chill and calm down and be conscious of how you are literally moving in the space. Are you bumping into people? Are you touching people? Are you not moving on the side of the side uh, sidewalk? Are you coming into the space that is in friendly and inviting and respecting of other people's personal space, respecting of other people's boundaries, particularly women's? How are you respecting the space and giving enough space for you to move and other people to move? Respect space. Remember, everything is not about you. When it comes to dismantling patriarchy, this isn't about you. Ask women how you can amplify, not replace them. You need like, like be humble. Refrain from taking center stage or speaking for us, don't speak for us, and definitely don't fucking mansplain how women should approach gender equity or gender issues. We don't need a man explaining things or explaining how we should think about it. Also, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because sometimes when you're creating change, just like, you know, these white folks with these white tears, 
and white irritability when you're having these conversations about race, you need to understand you're going to have some male tears, some male discomfort when we're talking about when we're breaking down these issues about gender. There's going to be some things that feel uncomfortable and you got to work through them in a healthy way. Engage in consensual, supportive partnership with women. Remember, it needs to be reciprocal. It needs to be mutually growth enhancing. Share your info, share your influence, share your knowledge, share your organizational resources with all of us. Ask us what we want. Don't just assume how you can best support our efforts. Ask. Share all the things, your social capital. Remember that you are upsetting the status quo. So there is going to be some resistance from women who want to keep the status quo and men who want to keep the status quo. Be a decent human being and stand in your convictions. Because you have done the work to know that you're on the right side of history, that you're on the right path to be a good person that is treating people like human beings. There are going to be people that resist it, but you got to be steadfast and strong in knowing that you are doing what is right. Now, that stuff is basically in general when you're navigating the world in general. But what about at the workplace? Let's talk about at the workplace. First and foremost, I need you to challenge the likability penalty. So when you hear people say something about a woman not being likable or she's um, being called bossy or shrill, I need you to, you know, ask them for examples of what they did and ask, would they have the same re reaction if the, it was a man doing that? Like, I need you to challenge that likability thing because being likable or not likable affects in the workplace men differently than it does women. So challenge that likability factor, that penalty that because if she's not likable, <laughs> she might not be a great person for this position. We don't do that same kind of um Test for men. I need you to evaluate performance fairly and not based on gender. Make sure everyone on the team is aware of gender bias and evaluating performance. Make sure everybody understands that that is not acceptable and we want everything to be fair. Give women credit at work. If they have worked their ass off with you, don't just take their credit in the work. <laughs> you need to give them credit. Give them credit for what they have contributed to the project. Make sure women get the credit that they deserve and look for opportunities to acknowledge their contributions. Get the most out of a meeting. Understand it is important to make sure that everyone speaks up and is heard. If you're in a meeting and you're talking too much, ask questions, ask people to talk. Comparatively, usually women don't talk that much. Men tend to talk and talk and talk and make more suggestions in meetings, while women are usually interrupted more. They are give, you know, you, you really, really, 
You really have to make sure that the people in your space, this goes back to understanding how much space you are taking up, not just physical space, but in time. How much time are you talking and talking over people and interrupting people? How much space are you taking up? Make sure that everybody in that room is getting a chance to speak and share ideas and getting credit for their ideas. Also in the office, share office housework. They shouldn't just be cleaning up and organizing and, you know, hiring new people and taking notes. You motherfuckers can take notes, too. It does. That just doesn't need to be the woman's job. <laughs> Pay attention to who volunteers for different type of work and do your part to help distribute that work equally. So women are not just doing the secretarial work. They're actually engaging in the process. This seems like it's simple, but you don't know how many times, you know, the woman has to go get the coffee <laughs> or have to take the notes or blah, 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 blah. You need to make sure that that is equal in the workplace. Also, make work work for parents. There are some people who have children out here. Make it work for them. Figure out a way how they can be at home with their kids if they have to. Figure out a way how they can get more time on maternity leave. Figure out a way how to make work work for them. Don't assume mothers won't be willing to take a challenging assignment or travel. Give, Ask them. Give them the chance. Give them the opportunity. Don't assume that their pregnancy or their motherhood is going to get in the way. You don't know what kind of resources they got. Give them the chance. When you are mentoring people and you are um, building somebody up to take a, a, a great position, make sure that women have equal access to your mentorship. Don't just mentor men. Mentor women, too. If you see somebody with some great talent and great potential that is a woman, mentor her. And don't make it just one. Make it several. Not just one. Mentor several women. So I hope you take these tips and navigate in the world a better way as a man. Be a better ally, be a better person, and just create a better community for us to live in that is safe without violence, without sexism. Ugh, it just it's it's we don't want to live here anymore. We we hate this place. And we can't change it without you attempting, without you going along with us and changing it. So, this was Trans 101, aka Niggas Get It Together 101. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is 
you know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. <laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. Let's talk about intimate partner violence. So when we talk about black women, cisgender and trans, um, you know, CDC was talking about that we are the demographic that has a, one of, that are susceptible to in, intimate partner violence and homicide more than other, you know, um, female demographics. And we are the least likely to date outside of our race. <laughs> so adding those two together, <laughs> um, you know, it's our men that we're trying to keep saying. Like men, the last one was like, damn. Yeah. And so the men that we are, that we have dedicated our lives to keep safe are actually the ones who are harming us. And I, and people always act like, um, and I have to, t- I have to get on, um, LGBT people about this too. Like they, um, let me see if I can give, explain this analogy. So there are certain things that are harming us and I'm bringing it up because it's important and because of who my guest is. But this does not put other shit off the hook. So if, if I'm talking about intimate partner homicide, say I'm a little fish and intimate partner violence is a shark, okay? And it is chasing me. Yeah, it feels like in the moment, this feels like the most imminent threat. But really, white supremacy and, you know, it, it's the pollution that the water that me and the shark is in. So although we are talking about intimate partner violence that is um, at the hands of black men toward us, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that the pollution, the white supremacy and the racism around us doesn't cause, you know, that isn't harming both of us. Yes, I'm talking about this now because it's the most imminent threat, but that doesn't mean I'm taking everything off the hook. So if you are listening to this, I understand that there is a bigger <laughs> structure that is causing these things to happen. But, um, because this is the imminent danger, I want to bring light to it. And so that's why I'm asking you, what, is, what do you think is some, some things that we can do to, once again, it's all about safety. Like what are some things, what are conversations that y'all are having? Because I think this is, this is the work of cis men. This is the worst work of cis black men. How do, what are, what are you all talking, because I only hear denial. <laughs> what are you all talking about in your circles when you all are alone that is helping dismantle this specific problem? Uh, man, me, me and my me and my homies that's in debate. So I don't, don't want to put no cap in my rap at all. You know what I'm <laughs> it's something I wouldn't. I don't, uh, I'll be I'll be having a hard time talking about simple shit like consent. With my, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, people that I remember, like yeah, I, with the like minded homies. We talk about intimacy, and we talk about non-sexual, non-sensual intimacy in spaces and places of blackness, right? So what I know of a lot of cis men, we will kind of sometimes misread 
and or gas up a woman or some energy that we find appealing in any way, shape, or fashion that's showing any type of affirmation to us. And we will try to reciprocate that in terms of thinking, oh, she's trying to fuck or she's trying to get it. You know what I'm saying? And we talk about how intimacy is not always sensual and how when we start to try to inscribe intimacy, especially, you know what I'm saying, the, the like, like really try to make it where we vibe it. You know what I'm saying? We meet each other at a rally. You feel me? Uh, you say something I like. I say something that you like. You know what I'm saying? And you know, uh, 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 we start we start vibing. You know what I'm saying? But it's about black shit, white supremacy. It has nothing to do with romance. Nothing to do with sex. You know what I'm saying? We start as as as, as straight men. Me and my homeboy Damo. You know what I'm saying? We, as a matter of fact, we even had a conversation of this on our on our podcast, Chopper, about you know what I'm saying, like literal intimacy. And how these, how intimate spaces become dangerous for, you know what I'm saying, women, you feel me, particularly black women, that, you know what I'm saying, you might say, brother, I really like that. Uh, man, or you might, man, what's your, uh, you know what I mean, you might be interested, like you said, but a brother gave a great analysis on white supremacy, and he was like, damn, good job, brother. You feel me? Masculinity sometimes so fragile, you know, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, niggas got to recognize it, but we don't recognize it, but we start to misread. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the entitlement towards women that I think that we have in terms of the more interpersonal, I think that sometimes it allows for men to misread inter, uh, interpersonal engagement from, you know what I'm saying, somebody they find attractive as being a, 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 a also sign that you see me attractive and you want to do something with me. And they can't recognize that maybe this is a, a, a intimate engagement that we are having, but this intimacy does not cause for sensual, you know what I'm saying, sexual that's what it is, you feel me? And, and, and you know, like, like sometimes we just get into agree agreements and disagreements, but on the podcast, we was able to bring on other black women, you feel me, that, uh, that uh, 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 and, and actually uh, all of them, you know what I'm saying, wouldn't even straight, you feel me? But, you know what I'm saying, you know, like I know, it don't even matter, you know what I'm saying? Niggas right. don't shoot the shot, you feel me? So we were just talking about how literally going into a space and place for progression, for empowerment turns into a, Quickly and abrupt, you know what I'm saying? Seconds, a dangerous space because because uh, we'll be talking about Toya. We're talking about R.I.P. Toya, Florida, who we was talking about. We were talking about how black women can show up to these spaces trying to give some activist labor. And you know what I'm saying? Somebody might be looking for some sexual labor. And then you got to think about it. If I tell this nigga no, is he going to pop me in the face? Is he going to, you know what I'm saying? Is he going to beat me up? Is he going to follow me home? And she really thinking about, you know what I'm saying, like power in those spaces. And then the in, and then the intersection of that with a trans person is like if that what you just described is specifically for cis, but when you add the homophobia that comes and the transphobia that comes when I'm engaging just a regular person, um, and I'm just I, I'm at the club and um, you know, as a trans woman, if you are attracted to me, I'm not deceiving you. This is who I am. This is who I am presenting. I'm not trying, I'm not, I don't have a costume on and I'm not purposely said, ah, I gotcha. It's just, I'm here having to have a good time. <laughs> I'm here to have fun. And you are seeing something in me that you, that you find attractive. And I have to, in that moment, navigate when it is safe for me to tell you. And sometimes right there in that moment, it is not safe for me to tell you. Yes, no, I shouldn't be, you know, taking it across the boundaries when it comes to physical. But a lot of times people are expecting me to say, oh, I'm a trans woman right there in the middle of the dance floor because you just came up and tried to hump me. 
Yeah. And no, I'm not going to do that. Because okay. if I tell you, you're going to get, then it turns into this ego thing. And you got to attack me. You got, and I've been there. I was talking about earlier in terms of the investment in the insecurities. Because when I, cause I think that when I talk about, I think when I talk about trans disclosure, I always think about how it is always, the responsibility is always slipped on to the trans person. But if you just look at the trajectory and shit, type in Google, you see it's a double bind. Shit, if I tell you I'm trans, you're going to shoot me in the face. If I don't tell you I'm trans and you find out you're going to shoot me in the face, well, goddamn, you know what I'm saying? And in my mind, is I hate to be that, that, that dogmatic straightforward about it, but it's just like, hey, man, I, 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 I seen it. You know what I'm saying? And I just think that when it comes to that extra layer of, you know, I feel like you can have the expectations of heteronormativity and, 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 and then fit into it and everything is good, but when it deviates outside the expectations of normativity, <laughs> ooh, man, that's when we know niggas start crazy. So tell me, so when we think about like that, that investment, so I, I find it very, very strange that men are so invested in what other men are doing with their penises, what other men are doing in their bedroom. I find it very, very strange that when a sister and a man is caught, exposed, or reveals that he is in a relationship with a trans woman, or having any type of queer relationship, that men are so viscerally um, moved to talk about it and be offensive and be, like they will sit in hours and hours about this man saying, oh, he's gay and, and blah, 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 blah. What, why is there so much investment from men in other men's sexuality? And what's, and what's the return on that investment? What are they getting out of being invested in other men's sexuality? What's the return? Hey, man, you, you going, hey, what's the little time, man? Let me go to time. I think that uh, homoeroticism, um, I know that a lot of people in the community ain't really familiar with that term. You know what I'm saying? But I think that homoeroticism, and you know, I didn't put the Google for y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I can, I can, I, I, I can give it to you. And how I think about homoeroticism, I think about homoeroticism as kind of of, uh, of a same sex attraction that's sexual but not sex. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So in my mind, I think of like a lot of. And it's tethered to and it's tethered to power. Always tethered to power. Always already tethered to power, and that's what and and, and and that's what pisses niggas off. Is that it's like you're breaking the god code in terms of how we recognize power. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like how power is supposed to uh, flow flow through us and with us, and you you fucking it up. You know what I'm saying? Because in my mind, it's like there are a lot of experiences that us as cis men have that I think that are very structured by homoeroticism that I think that we're conditioned to see as being cool. Like niggas getting dressed up and get cool. Like me and the boys, we finna throw on our best shit. We finna go to the strip club. You know what I'm saying? And though it's gonna be other women at the strip club, we going to the strip club to have erections around each other. That's what we know we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? We're going to do that. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? Or thinking about how a lot of cis men, a lot of our experiences to, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, porn to be like, hey, oh boy say he got a tape. He got his uncle tape. Y'all want to go watch it? Shit, it's four of us with a dick out. You know what I'm saying? And we are now watching, you know what I'm saying? In my mind, it's like a lot of things that I think that are structured in terms of homoeroticism that I think that we not seen to, because I feel like power, I, I feel like power always want to go unnamed and identified. So, of course, homoeroticism has power, so we don't call it that. It's the God code. 
is, you know what I'm saying? Should I lie for my, you know, Future says some shit, I lie to my, I lie to my bitch, but I don't lie to my nigga or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? He, he said, he said something, he said it was, it was a recent one, a recent like line, you feel me? Yeah. And niggas was like, hell yeah, you know what I'm saying? Shit, you know? And in my mind, I'm thinking like, nigga, what? I'm married, you feel me? So I'm thinking like, nigga, what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What you feel me? But I'm thinking about how the kinship—that's the word I want to use. Kinship in terms of you know, uh, male, male. You know what I'm saying? Bromance, bros for hoes. You know what I'm saying? Shit. You know, like well, all, all to me, all, all that is like structured homoeroticism in terms of kinship, and then with that kinship, you get power. And I think that when you break codes or standards of the kinship, you lose power, and or one the kinship feel that it's being came for or came or being threatened. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I, I just keep it philosophical, theoretical, and that's how I would explain. Of course, I can develop that analysis a little bit more, but I'll leave it alone. So this is my last question. So how do we bring um, cis men into the fold in our movements? You know, what, what is the inroads that we can bring them on to help keep particularly trans women safe because, you know, just today, um, well, yesterday, I'm sorry, yesterday, two trans women was murdered, black trans women, of course. <laughs> and I'm just trying to, as an organizer, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit that is doing this work. And I really don't know how to make inroads with cis men in order to, um, you know, stop it from happening. And so what would some of your suggestions be? Man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a preface this, but I definitely think I'm about to answer this question from a position of privilege. Um, cause I recognize that we talked about a lot of different violence that different black trans women, black women go through in terms of trying to build these relationships with cis hetero men. And sometimes you feel me, or a, a lot of times kind of have these cathartic violent uh, reactions to whatever, whatever. Um, there were a lot of black trans women black queer people, black gender non-conforming people that took the time and really had some real meaningful conversations with me and really took patience and really had patience. To, I feel like really, I think, in some moments, I feel like probably was uh, more of an asshole trying to debate maybe some more, you know, uh, violent, using violent rhetoric to try to prove a point. But I think that it was women, that it, was, it was people that took their time with me, man. And I recognize the reason why I say it's from a privilege because I think that, um, a lot of cis hetero men don't have to risk a lot in terms of being be, being worked on. You feel Definitely. me? We have to give up is a little bit of status, but you know what I'm saying? Our humanity, our existence, our livelihood is not painful in the way that a black woman or a black trans woman or you know what I'm saying, a black non-gender non-human person will have to risk with trying to, you know what I'm saying, maybe teach him up or some shit, you feel me? And it has to come at the expense of maybe you kicking my ass because we have a little mere disagreement. Or you want to, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so I, that's why that's why I'm saying from privilege. You feel me? But I know that there has been people that have took the privilege. I mean, to, to given me the privilege and took time and patience with me and really made me see some shit from different. You know what I'm saying? But I also too think that you know I'm an educator. I think that being an educator, I really believe that sometimes the the more critical education can't happen unless the student is ready to learn. And in this instance, black. Black men, we are the students, you feel me? And it's a lot of us, you feel me, that shit, we don't be, we don't be wanting to learn. We be invested in lives, so be mad at the truth. You know what I'm saying? Shit, you know what I mean? I think that, I think that's, I think that's a reality. I'm just keeping it, keeping it stuck, stack with you, keeping it real with you. Yeah. I know 
a lot of things you have to risk that you if you, if you want to go teach black men about how to merely care for the existence of trans women. I recognize that it's going to be, a, you know what I'm saying, a risk. So people like me, I feel like try to be as, as loud as possible. I know privilege and power, I can listen to privilege and power, you feel me? You know what I'm saying? Niggas been saying shit for a hundred years. A white person repeated to another white person. They'd be like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't think about it. Man, niggas been saying that shit for a hundred years. I peep game where it's like, you know, uh, a lot of my videos that's went viral about intersex or about trans or about black women is shit that black women and shit that trans women have been saying for centuries. The only thing about it is that now I'm a cisgender heterosexual black man that has a position of privilege and power that people will listen to me on certain on particular subjects and might listen to you about, might listen to them about. So I recognize that with my position of being, you know what I'm saying, cis, hetero, dreadlocks, tall, educated, I recognize all these different aesthetics so my identity gives me the ability to bring people in and I just try to use my platform to make it where I'm trying to break through more ignorant notions of consciousness that niggas have that might get them, it might get you fucked up. It get me fucked up too, but it's not, it's, 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 it's different. Scales. You know what I'm saying? So that's the reason why I do what I do and how I try to do it. Like, Well, I appreciate what you do and I appreciate, um, you know, you, you know, having the courage to speak truth to power and you know, that's why you're here and I appreciate it. And I could hope that you continue to do it. If you are a cis man, make sure you follow him and you know, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, man. I'm at, I'm at the consciously spelled T H E C O N S C I U S. I have to think about it like how I spell that, but yeah, <laughs> the consciously spelled, I, I feel like phonetically correctly, quote unquote correctly, the consciously uh, on all social media platforms Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, all that. You know what I'm saying? Education is ele- elevation is my motto. I consider myself an edutainer. That's when inter- entertainment and education collides. Don't fuck with me, I'm real. Right. Well, I will put all his links down in the bottom in the show notes. Thank you for just spending time with me. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate you too. Appreciate you. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm gonna make sure we gonna we gonna we gonna bring you on to the chop up so you can tell us about the work that you're doing. I'm ready. Uh, you know what I'm saying, ways that us cis people can, you know what I'm saying, figure out what the hell, you know what I'm saying, you know what I mean, how to, how to, how to be an accomplice and not an ally. You feel Amen. Me? Niggas, you going to risk some shit or you going <laughs> to... You, you with gonna, me? <laughs> or you standing yeah. on the sidelines cheering me on? <laughs> I ain't got time. I want you to ride with me, you feel me? You, know, you ain't riding with me, then don't, don't ride with me. Don't, don't be over here at all. So that's, that's what I do, you feel me? In conclusion... GeorgeLeeSpeaks.com is where, you know what I'm saying, my website. You can find anything about booking. I actually travel the country doing different workshops, facilitation about diversity and inclusion and about uh, professional development. Um, if you are interested, you know what I'm saying, that's where you'll find that at, GeorgeLeeSpeaks.com. Yeah, and I'll put it in the bottom. So thank y'all for listening. Have a great day. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia?
Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be alright.